This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Have you ever learned a disturbing fact that's kept you up at night? Well, (laughs) you've come to the right place. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature, and this time, some weird, disturbing facts. I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasami. This week, we're doing something a little bit different, a little experimental outside the box. I'm excited for this. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. We've created a SpeakPipe account uh, where you, our listeners, can leave us voicemails. Yes. And then we put a call out asking for unusual morbid facts, um, these little juicy tidbits of morbidity or creepiness. Mm -hmm. Bite-sized, you know, if you will, little snacks. Mm -hmm. And everyone delivered, Jess. They really did. Some that I did did not want to know about, which we'll get to. (laughs) People pulled through. We said, hey, can you produce the show this week? And they did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thanks for doing the work for us guys no, yeah. we appreciate it yeah thank you to everybody because also you gave us i some of the things that were submitted gave me a little bit of thought starters for future episodes too that and some that i don't think we're putting on air were just highly disturbing of like wow that's <laughs> happens in the real world <laughs> and i will say we're putting as many into this episode as we can But we'll probably do this again where we include more. And I also think it would be fun to do an episode, and we talked about this a little bit, but where we ask you, our listeners, for maybe more creepy or morbid stories about yourselves. The ones that we, because people did send us some of those, and we did try to, I tried to kind of pocket those for the future, because I Mm -hmm. think that's a different episode unto itself. Yeah. Thank you for sending them regardless. Oh, Uh, yeah. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We will definitely use them. For sure, because we want, we want to do this more often. I think mm-hmm. this is going to go really, really well. And the fact that we've had so many submissions uh, helps. But I think this will be a great episode. Oh, it was, it's was it been so fun listening to everyone's stuff. <laughs> and, and seeing where everybody's coming from, too. That is true. And because a lot of this stuff is like half of this of like, oh, I've heard something like that. The other half, I've never heard that before. Holy yeah. mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. All right, without further ado, let's get to our first voicemail. Hi there, my name is Isaiah. I live in Washington State, and my family owns a funeral home. So I have a morbid fact for you guys. Um, In the right conditions, your body upon death can fuse to whatever surface you're on, whatever position you're in when you die. And it's usually in warm weather, or in like a warm house and usually with carpet and leather I've picked up multiple people because I I used to uh, do uh, deceased removals for my my father and my family um, the the deceased individuals the back of their their skin or whatever is part that landed on the the carpet that will fuse to the carpet and so your outer layer of skin will stick to the carpet when it's like peeling off band-aid but part of your your skin stays there um it's it's kind of gross and a lot of the fluids that that build build up will stay there and this is usually happens 
it's usually really bad when um, they're found after like a week of being in a hot room. We've had that ha- happen in the middle of, of the winter where you get an older person who doesn't really get out very, very much or has family from a long distance away and they only get checked on every other you know day or so. And so we've had a couple of people um, found like like that. Their skin is fused to the ground, and when you have to re- remove them, it uh, it stays there. <laughs> the, the the skin stays there. So there you go. Thank you, Isaiah from Washington. Wow, that's a great one. That is <laughs> yes, of course. Elise comes in. That was fantastic. <laughs> well. <laughs> And it makes complete sense that this would happen in the stages of decomposition, right? It does. And the only reason I know that this makes sense is because we've gone over the stages of decomposition in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and I think, like, if you think about your skin being a piece of its biomatter and yeah. you think of something else that when heated could have a gelatinous property, but then once it maybe solidifies, it sticks to something, yeah. why not our bodies too, right? Yeah. And especially when he said that when you do eventually lift the body um, off the carpet, leather, whatever it is, and the skin stays there as well, just because everything is just deteriorating and doing doing its thing, is oh, what a great image! Yeah, and and I mean, I would be fascinated to learn more from Isaiah about that kind of that body removal and cleaning. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple movies and things about it. Sunshine Cleaning was one about two women who clean. Uh, I don't know if it was specifically crime scenes or just, I think it may have been crime scenes, but mm-hmm. post-mortem scenes where maybe, yeah, body's been there for a while. While he was talking, I was trying to Google if there was like a word for this mm-hmm. and I didn't find it. Some Someone wrote, it's a condition called adherence, but I don't think that's a, because I'm like, this is very interesting yeah. to me, which is why, you know, obviously we want to put them on ice <laughs> as soon as possible <laughs> yeah, too, yes. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got me thinking that maybe perfect place for me to die sitting in Jessica's lap. And I hope for the best. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I'd like that too much. We'd fuse. Um, yeah, maybe not, though. But thank maybe you. So. Maybe so. I'm going to get stuck on something. <laughs> you can, yeah, you're going to get stuck on. OK, sticky, sticky uh, girl. That was a great one, Isaiah. Way to kick it off. Yeah, with thank you so much. Distinctly gross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Freaking fantastic. <laughs> let's uh, let's hear the next one. My name is Nantes Raycart from Chico, California. And my morbid fact is that for a few million years, trees that fell or died for whatever reason would simply just not decompose. Uh, this due to the fact that trees evolved faster than the bacteria who would inevitably end up eating them. So they would just fall in the forest and stay there forever. This fact might not be that morbid, but it does kind of invoke the imagination of what if that extended to other things that weren't trees. Thanks so much. That's interesting. Wait. That is interesting. So he's saying if that didn't extend, or if it did extend as in like, If the trees, because they evolve faster than the bacteria eating them, that like there would just be 
dead corpses, dead things all around that just don't rot, basically. Yes, that the trees would just lie there. Just lay there, yeah. Because the bacteria didn't exist yet. And I'm I did a cursory Google search just now on this, and I I'm seeing something here. Um apparently the forests around Chernobyl aren't decaying properly either. That makes because sense. Because the radiation has killed off organisms that would also, you know, spur decomposition. Yeah, I think Although they said they don't know if this is like a super morbid fact. I think that what you just said at the end, though, is is morbid is what what if this didn't just apply to trees and it was just dead things all around that never decomposed, even though decomposition in itself is disgusting. But eventually it goes away, you know, becomes, you know, I guess if you died on the ground, it would seep into the ground. But, yeah, just dead things lying around not decomposing very that's not great either (laughs) yeah this this article in the smithsonian that talks about chernobyl says the results were telling in the areas with no radiation 70 to 90 percent of the leaves were gone after a year but in places where more radiation was present the leaves retained around 60 percent of their original weight interesting that's that's fascinating i mean i guess something that you just think about too is like yeah if the if the mechanism to decompose uh, it doesn't exist. It's just um, taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and I believe Kelly put a little note in our, our Kelly, our editor, who you met in uh, the Body Farms episode. One of the qualifiers for achieving sainthood in Christianity is having a body that doesn't rot, which this has been on our list of episode topics from the beginning. Um, mm. There's a term for it, which now escapes me. Oh, incorruptibility. Oh, boy. Is it? Yeah. Which I, I think we should still do an episode on because it's pretty fascinating fascinating um, just not real <laughs> and yeah well also just in the mysticism of theology the mm-hmm. idea of this person's not decomposing what mm-hmm. they must be a saint but then no one's stopping and going well maybe there's a scientific explanation for this yeah something's okay. not right here yeah <laughs> that ain't right oh boy. um well that was a great one nantes thank you yeah that was a really yeah thank you next one hi jess hi elise my name is pj i'm from suffolk on the east coast of england in east anglia um, big fan of the show, big fan of the podcast, uh, listen to it every single week. My morbid fact is that the large tortoise from the Galapagos Islands was not given a scientific name, a Latin name, until 300 years after it was first discovered. This was due to the fact that the animal is apparently so tasty, so delicious that every single time an expedition went to go bring back a tortoise back to the back to Europe or back to the US, the crew would eat them all. Like every single one. Not a single live tortoise made it back to the Royal Society in London or uh, to any other um, to, to to any other organization like that. In fact, if you look at a lot of the notes that were collected by um, contemporaries of Darwin, most of them are about how the animal tastes instead of its like shell pattern or things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's really morbid. It is a bit funny, I guess. But, yeah, quite morbid. Love this one. Oh, wow. I'm also surprised that Jess didn't come straight out the gate going, Oi, PJ, thank you for your fact. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> because I was I'm I'm traumatized by the the, the information just shared by PJ uh, <laughs> from Suffolk. Yeah, what, what yeah, is, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that that was a hard one to listen to. I have a tortoise myself, and all I kept thinking yes. about was I should have put a content uh, warning on that one for you. Oh boy. But does it does it steal you to know that Nina's delicious? Uh, no, because I don't view, I don't view her that way. I <laughs> want her to live and live a long, healthy, prosperous life. Um, all I can well, you know about, when I'm visiting, I'm gonna be licking my lips. No, Elise, her. keep keep that to yourself. Keep your saliva in your mouth to yourself. I, I think this is hilarious. It, it it is at the very end when PJ was just like, it's a bit funny, yeah. It's yeah. you know morbid but funny. I'm like, what? I mean, it's, it kind of <laughs> is that no one could no one could resist themselves for two minutes to not eat the turtle. I know. I'm like, is it? Uh, what does something compel them? Why was this so? The like why having no self restraint to say we can just not eat this tortoise. This is weird as hell. It's, yeah, that's a great, hilarious fact. I've had many nightmares about Nina, my tortoise, dying, and it always has to do with her shell, whether she falls out of her uh, environment onto her shell and it cracks. I've had a dream where, like, a big giant man steps on her and cracks wow. her shell. It's always about her getting her shell cracked in some way. And throughout the entire time he was talking, I just kept thinking about, like, when they do eat these turtles, what is the process of going about eating them, deshelling them, if you will? You know, and I got real, real in there. Not, not a great image or a thought process. Okay, so I just Googled dreaming about a broken turtle shell. Oh, Lots of different thoughts on what this could mean. Some say okay. it's a warning sign. Some say it could be a hint of past trauma or that you're taking things too personally. Dreamsopedia.com says it stands for strength and power. Does Dreamsopedia know that like I have a tortoise though and I'm not just dreaming about tortoises out of the fucking blue? No, yeah. I think it's, oh, Kelly says, now I feel bad about the shell bowl. They also made a comment about shells can double as bowls. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) It's pretty funny that, yeah, they would get these tortoises and then dip them into their their uh, guacamole. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, you eat the tortoise, you make a stew, put it in the shell bowl, that is eat hilarious. it from there. Wow. Um, but hey, at least it wasn't just to kill them, just to kill them, and they, like, ate them and hopefully nourish their bodies to commit awful crimes. I don't know. Yeah. What did they do back then? What were they doing? <laughs> I don't know. Do, doing things. Uh, thanks, thanks, PJ. Sorry if this accent offends you and if it's, if it's not really good. Apologies. Shy Australian, but... A little bit Australian there, yeah. I've been trying to work on my Australian accent. <laughs> See, that's a little bit more Australian because I did it on purpose. Oh, anyway. PJ, love the fact, mate. I mean, we're never going to make it through this episode if we harass everyone. I know, PJ, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please do not take offense. <laughs> 10 out of 10 fact, PJ. Thank you. Let's uh, move on to Brenna. My name is Brenna and I'm from Ohio. And the morbid fact that I always find relatively intriguing is that after um, someone gives birth, you can push on your stomach and feel the other side of your spine. And that's because when there is a baby growing inside of you, all your organs shift and it takes a while for your organs to go back. So, you know, there's only a few times in your life where you can feel the other side of your spine. Okay. Right out the gate, women are incredible. Yes. Um, Yes. Those that, those that can birth are incredible. I truly thought that this was going to be my morbid fact as you poop yourself giving birth. Because that's I mean, that, my nightmare. 
Well, that hap- That is the thing that happens. Yeah. And if you were to ever give birth, you would poop twice as much as the average human. <laughs> <laughs> the doctors would leave the room. They'd be like, what is wrong with her? Yeah. This Kula. is cool, though. More I like gotta Kula. say. Okay. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> this is this is actually, it's weird, and but it's got kind of cool at the same time. I mean, I was familiar with the idea that your organs shift because they have to accommodate for a life growing mm-hmm. inside of you. Mm-hmm. And in our episode about Victorian era fashion, we talked a little bit about the corsets that women would wear when they were pregnant. And, you know, the the question of is the corset shifting around their organs when their organs are already shifting around because they're giving birth? Is the corset maybe providing them with support? Yep. You know, but yeah. Yeah. To feel your own spine. What a sensation. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying to like. Like pushing into my stomach right now. I'm like, what does that? How do you get in there? That's because you poop herself live on air. <laughs> just, I'm did you say around. I'm fingering myself? And I said you're gonna poop yourself live on no. air. No. Oh, I mean, technically, I am fingering myself. I'm just yeah, pressing my fingers. In the stomach. And <laughs> I love Elise. Who's howling in the background behind it's you? Is Nick. that Nick? Because I'm shooting at the studio. <laughs> Nick's howling in the back. Oh God. Ugh. Anyway. Well, thank you so much, Brenna. <laughs> thank you, Brenna. Uh, let's get another fact. Hi, Jess and Elise. My name is Caitlin. I'm from Massachusetts. And my morbid fact is, uh, I think it's actually a little sweet. Um, it's about the memorial service of Graham Chapman of Monty Python fame. And my fact is that at his memorial service, when he um, passed away, John Cleese became the first individual to perform a eulogy on live British television to say the word fuck. I hope you can say that. If not, I guess beat me. Uh, But it was a tribute to his shocking and irreverent humor. And it's just always tickled me. And I thought it was a sweet, silly and fun fact that you might enjoy. So I hope you have a great and morbid day. Thanks. Well, fuck. Fuck me. (laughs) Can we cue the Caitlin soundboard here? The fuck, fuck, (laughs) fuck. Let's isolate that. I, (laughs) when I first listened to this, I thought the morbid fact was going to be that they sang Always Look on the Bright Side of Life at his memorial, because that's what I always think about with Graham Chapman's funeral. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I love that it was on public... Um, television broadcast just using the word fuck out there like that that was great yeah good for good for them in this regard because I think that was the right tribute I agree I agree too and then I think just fuck should be involved in the speech of everybody more often just yeah why not so who cares it's a construct language is a construct it is like who decided that fuck shit is is bad why not fork or spoon (laughs) Who made that decision? Have you ever seen the Conan sketch where Andy Richter is on Wheel of Fortune and he's reading all the answers, but he just (laughs) he guesses them all wrong. Like he says, like, fucking him palace. (laughs) Great. It's great. And it shouldn't be as funny as it is because it's the same one note joke repeated, but it's great. But sometimes that shit is hilarious. I can't help it. I think I don't know how big of a Monty Python fan you are, Jess. 
I've you seen are, it um, a long time ago when I was in high school, and it's the one movie that I bother Devin about all the time. I'm like, we really need to watch this again because I think it would be a different experience for me as an adult. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm a fan, and I love. I think part of the reason I do like them is because they would always get they would get into like you know death would be not be off the limits in terms of comedy, yep. right? Yep. Um, I one of the best jokes from. I mean, there are so many good jokes from Holy Grail, but you know, someone pushing a wagon through a village shouting, bring out your dead. Yeah. <laughs> bring out your dead. It's like, it's like, it's so funny. You know, living that experience and having to drag your loved one out and toss them in the cart was probably horrific, but it's just yeah. so funny to think about that was it somebody's is. job. Here's yeah. one. Oh, shit. Forgot the other one on the back. Let me go get him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, know, you just need a free ride somewhere. You pretend to, yeah. to, get, to get in the cart, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you. Hello, my name is Luke and I'm from North Carolina and I am a nuclear engineer, which I only bring up because my morbid fact is about the Demon Core. The Demon Core is a small spherical mass of fissile material, which means that it is capable of undergoing a nuclear fission reaction. This Demon Core claimed the life of a scientist on two separate occasions where it was mishandled either from poor safety standards or plain recklessness. In 1945, a physicist accidentally dropped a a neutron reflector on the sphere, which allowed it to go prompt supercritical. Remember, kids, critical just means no change in power with a sustained reaction. Supercritical means power is increasing, even if slightly, and prompt critical is very, very bad. No nuclear power plants are built to go prompt critical, for the record. The second event occurred in 1946 when another physicist forewent safety protocols and showed off a test with the Demon Corps to a group of bystanders when he made a mistake while handling a screwdriver, of all things, and it again went prompt supercritical. The most morbid fact amidst all of this is that these two scientists received a lethal dose immediately, but would die more than a week later from radiation poisoning. And feel free to cut this, but... I was the one who donated and put a bow tie on Ryan's shirt for the Ween concert. Damn you, Luke. <laughs> Damn you, encourage Ryan's Ween proclivities. No, thank you so much. That's a fascinating fact. I think Jess and I both glommed onto this one because Demon Core is such a metal way to name this. No, it is. Yeah, when I first, I was like, what is, I, I wanted to just know more about it and, and I typed it in, but I wasn't really thinking. So I typed in, I think, Death Core. Uh, and then I clicked the on Wikipedia genre. and it's, it's a, yeah, it's a music genre. I was like, yeah. I don't think this is what he's, he's not talking about that. <laughs> I was like, oh, Demon Core, such an interesting name for this. But then I also, the entire time he was talking, I just kept thinking of uh, Chernobyl and when they're in there. Mm. Uh, did you see Chernobyl? I did. Yeah. When they're just in there, like doing tests and looking at all the readings and signs and everything. Yep. I don't know. Just So this actually made me think of Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. Mm-hmm. when Billy Crudup in the movie, I mean, I guess in the comics too, but it gets stuck in the room where there's a meltdown or whatever happening mm-hmm. and essentially gets torn apart molecule by molecule and reassembled. Not what happened to these men, which is that they died horrible deaths slowly and mm-hmm. painfully probably. Absolutely. It also, it's kind of like our episode that we did about the radiation girls. Radium, radium girls. Yeah. That's the second thing I thought of too. Yeah. Which is so, so unfortunate. They're just like rotting away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, these guys took a week, he said, but just, um, yeah, it just sounds awful. And it sounded like they went against safety precautions, right? Is that what he said? N- knowingly went against them? 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's and, what he said. And also just Googling it, it seems that their hands slipped while they were working. Like this truly mm. was a an accident yeah. as well. What I think yeah. is fascinating too, that someone actually made the decision of we're going to melt this thing down. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Which humanity, we, we know we create horrible, dangerous, harmful things. And then we don't, no one ever says we have to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Right? Of course not. It's usually Never. just, well, we'll make some regulations around it. Mm-hmm. And then use it as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Of mass destruction. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fascinating one, Luke. Yeah. Thank you. Because I, I didn't know about half of these, especially about oh, yeah. Turtle Soup Boy. That told us that <laughs> You're one. Still fixated on the Turtle Soup. <laughs> because <laughs> lying I, awake tonight. I was thinking about the turtle, you know. We'll be oh, back boy. with more morbid facts from you after a word from our sponsors. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses brand that has over 250,000 five-star reviews. They are on a mission to match affordability with durability, making top quality shades accessible to everyone. Jess and I talk all the time about how we love these sunglasses. I'm wearing some right now. I'm wearing my um, blue blockers. Ooh, perfect. Yeah, they offer blue blockers too. Blue blocker. Blue blocker. Staring at my computer right now in my blue blockers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So much to pick from. So many styles and colors. Uh, we both have some of the same glasses. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, you have the sandstone. Um, mm-hmm. And I, when you got them, I was like, I want those too. So I, I was got just some. wearing them like an hour ago. They're, they're so nice. Um, and the nice. Tangle Free Aviators. Oh, are those awesome. are those are my other favorites. The Tangle Freeze. I've never seen this with any other company other than Shady Rays. It's Tangle Free because I got a lot of hair and yep. I don't need it tangled up in sunglasses. They are designed so your long hair doesn't snag in the nose piece. Yeah. They also freaking have snow goggles uh, for winter sports and they're really, really fashionable. So if like you. Well, you're on the slopes, right? When you're on the slopes. I mean, I'm on the slopes all the time here in Texas. And you're about to shred the gnar. <laughs> And yes. the light is hitting the perfect powder. You got and it. And it's blinding, Jess. Well, Shady Shady Rays has you covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure so do. for me, it's tumbling down the hill. Because <laughs> I'm, oh. already, I'm already, you know, at a deficit here. So at least my eyes are protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. If, if you snowboard, you ski, Shady Rays has you covered with snow goggles. Oh, yeah. And some of the, one of my favorite things about them, because it's this has happened, is their lost and broken protection uh, so if your shades go MIA, take a hit, don't sweat it because they've got lost and broken protection. So you are covered from day one. Mm-hmm. And exchange your return within three days if you don't love your shades. No risk when you shop. Hell yeah. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Head to ShadyRays.com and use code 30MM for 35% off polarized sunglasses and snow goggles. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. You've probably heard of microdose, and if you haven't, you should, okay? Because all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. Yeah, and you know that just right feeling when your body and mind are just like really at peace, they're in sync, like after a workout or a really nice long shower, Mm -hmm. when you're relaxed and just like focused, a little energized, basically when you're in the zone, well, good thing, Elise. Yeah, just to stay centered, okay? That's what Mm -hmm. microdose gummies are all about. They deliver that perfect entry-level dose of THC that can help you feel just the right amount of good. I actually took one the other night. Um, I'm at, I'm trying to like 
be a good girl and not like stuff my face with food at the end of the night after like mm-hmm. a long night. I've realized that I use food to help like with stress at, yep. in the evenings. So I took one of these gummies and which was really nice is it took my mind off food because I was just like it, it thinking of the very, universe. Very, I'm thinking of what? <laughs> the universe. There you go. Yeah, you know I just dive deep every time. No, but what was great was I I don't know. I've never done this before and I really, really enjoyed it. But um, I was very calm, but I was also like feeling buzzed to do something. And I got out my makeup bag and I started reorganizing my makeup bag and I cleaned all my brushes. Wow. And I don't know. It was really nice and therapeutic. And I just felt like calm, but yet excited to like be productive in some weird way. And I didn't think about food. I didn't stuff my face with food because I was using my hands for something else. I was like, I like this gummy. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. It's almost like... You know, you're not worrying about other anxieties. You're just focusing on the here and now of doing something good for yourself. No, yeah. These microdose gummies, they made, they definitely made me feel like centered, relaxed, not stressed, which was great. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And good thing for 30 more minutes, you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code 30MM. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code 30MM for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code 30MM. And we're back. Jesse's still thinking about that turtle soup. Sure am. Uh, I want no part of it. I'm going to go home and cuddle Nina as soon as I get home. I, kn- I do know that you are a very curious person. You wouldn't even be curious. Say you you journeyed long and far to get this tortoise, and it's a long way back, and you've heard tales of how delicious it tastes. You're not even... Well, at least I'm going to stop you right there. Oh, wow. Okay, I realized I just found a new boundary. Whoa. <laughs> and Whoa. you love to push them, don't you? <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Those are the buttons. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, I think it's weird. I think maybe if I didn't have a turtle and I just like watch her and think she's cute and don't want her to die, I feel it because I'm a protector, I would look at this differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I have her, I'm like, no, that's okay. You know, if I go to like, uh, if the turtle soup is served somewhere in life to me, I probably won't eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I know that you will. And that makes you <laughs> no, number, enemy number I one. Wouldn't. I wouldn't. I had a hard time eating kangaroo. You've had kangaroo? When in Australia. What? I would think the opposite. Well, you can get a kangaroo burger. I mean, I I guess they're like, you know, the equivalent of our horse meat over here. You can get it anywhere. No, I'm you. I did. I did taste kangaroo because someone else got a burger and I was like, okay, I guess. But I'm an animal lover and I hate myself for it. But was it what was the texture? like? It was fine. I mean, I guess also seasoned is just kind of tastes like a hamburger. in the context I had it. Have you ever had alligator? No, and I don't want to. That I know that that's more common, especially where I live, Um, but I don't know. I'm on a slippery slope to eating human. You know, me and Devin talk about this all the time because I tell him that I want to eat him because (laughs) I just, I have cute aggression with him. It's pretty serious. (laughs) Um, But I attack him all the time and I'll just like violently attack him and tell him, I'm going to fucking eat you. Yeah, And he's like, I feel like one of these days you will. And I'm like, so oh, I've yeah. thought about how I would eat him and where I would eat and everything. But I'm like, human, I just, I wonder what that would be like to actually, would I try it? Yes. If the person that has passed or eat, maybe they're still alive, consented. And they'd be like, hey, I want you to try this piece of my arm. I'd be like, Jessica, okay. that's a felony. Well, <laughs> under the table. 
Kelly says rattlesnake tastes like chicken. It's so good. I've heard that. I would not. I would not think that at all. Oh, boy. Okay. I feel like not that this is like traumatizing, but I'm just sitting here and this stuff is happening to me. I'm being told (laughs) morbid, awful things. Well, we've (laughs) got a great one coming up. So, (laughs) All right. Hit it. Let's go. Hello. My name is uh, Zachariah. I'm from Rochester, New York. And the morbid fact that I am aware of is a disease that eats your face off. It's a flesh-eating parasite called leishmaniasis. And I read about it in a book called The Lost City of the Monkey God, where the author and his colleagues contracted the disease in the jungles of Honduras. Wow. That's a big one. <laughs> so it eats your face, flesh face, but mainly face? I'm Leishmaniasis. I got to be careful then if this is out and about in the world. Yeah, that's a that book sounds fascinating. I mean, any disease like that where it's I mean, the episode we did with the sex capades and the yes. guy that, you know, you, there's always the thing of like you travel and then you get some weird bug or something. Yeah. In that case, if you guys want to go listen to that episode, there's a little something that crawls somewhere up where it should not have been crawled into. Um yeah, this. Wow. I'm reading up on it on the Center of Disease Control here. Okay, yeah. So they're the found in the tropics, subtropics of and southern Europe as well. Uh neglected tropical disease is also another word for it. Oh, wow. Um it causes skin sores which affects several internal organs, usually spleen, liver, and bone marrow. Oh, that sounds awful. Okay, well, let's not get that. What's, this what's is good where, to know. worse, this or the turtle thing? I cannot choose. I plead the fifth. <laughs> well, I don't want this. You know, and my life is more important, and I know that, and I'm just going to say it out right now and admit it. She'll be fine. She can live like 50 years. I don't, my, I, I don't know. I don't want this. This sounds awful, especially when it's, it can affect your spleen, liver, and bone marrow. Just, it, while you're alive, just eating things in your body. This sounds mm-hmm. awful. I mean, I hope it never comes to us. I hope I this hope... is something we never have to think about in our lives. Well, you could go to it, though. What if you were traveling? What if you went around Southern Europe? What if you went to the tropics, Elise? <laughs> what if you what, you greeted it oh, at, no. at its place of living? I did see a headline the other day about this woman who, um, it was clickbaity, so it didn't give me all the information, but it sounded like she traveled to some, you know, tropical locale and then maybe got bit by a monkey and got rabies and her whole world was turned upside down she can't believe it that it happened to her could happen to us you're right it could that's true it probably happened to you though before me mm-hmm. i don't know why just because because i said so okay well let's move on <laughs> let's let's move on here for nick please Hi, my name's Chrissy from London, Ontario, Canada. Um, And my morbid fact would be um, in Ontario, Canada, for medical assistance in dying, one of the options you can choose um, as the patient receiving it is to administer the medication yourself uh, to end your life, which makes sense when you think about it. But instead of like the doctor administering administering the medication to end the life, which is what I picture when I think about medical assistance in dying, this would just be the patient. Um, well, the doctor is standing there sort of watching the patient take their own life, which to me is morbid, I guess. Thanks, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, From thank you. London, Ontario. What, what? Yeah. Um, Kitchener represent. 
<laughs> I'm not from <laughs> Kitchener, but I am Canadian and I was aware of this because it was a big hubbub, I don't know, five or so years ago. But um, yeah, you can have a doctor or nurse administer whatever would end your life to you. But yeah, you can also just get it prescribed to you and then take it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, it, yeah. I don't know. I go back and forth on whether I think um, this is morbid or not, because I I would hope that, you know, if you're in a place of where doctors are, um, there's a there's a reason you're there and there's a reason you need to take it. Um, but it, whether you're like terminally ill or I don't know. You, yeah. You have cancer and you're just trying to you're you're done. Um, yeah. So there's a part of me I'm like, ah, well, I, I, I understand. I mean, I guess you're letting that doctor sleep at night in a way by administering it yourself. Mm-hmm. In a sense, perhaps, though, I do wonder with some doctors that do this practice, if it just become and they may think of it differently where they're thinking I'm giving a gift of compassion to this suffering person. It, it, by absolutely. Doing this for them. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of those? Um, they're, they're, the name is awful, but they're called suicide pods in um, Switzerland. Yeah, I've I've read about stuff like that before. They use I've, they use some sort of um, I don't know what the um, gas is or anything, but you you go inside in the same kind of situation where you go in and um, I don't know if this is legal or not yet. I know that there's a lot of debate around it. I'm not really sure where where I just know that this is something that's being talked about. But yeah, you go in and you press the button yourself. Um, so no one else presses it for you. So you go in. You are completely mm-hmm. aware of what's happening. You press the button. Uh, it happens, and then. That is the end of that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's being used of like, oh, somebody just wants to off themselves. No, I think it's like you're sick or there's a there's a. Yeah. You, you have to like demonstrate and provide evidence that you have a terminal disease or mm-hmm. something that you're suffering from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It's a complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand it being legal in Canada. I think Canadians are a people of compassion. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a, a people of empathy. And yeah. I think that's probably how a law like this comes to pass. But thank you, Chrissy. That's interesting. We have, maybe we should do an episode about that. That is very interesting. And I I wouldn't mind doing an episode about that. And then also just like digging more into these pods and just other different ways that maybe different countries yeah. go about this stuff. Well, I always think about the design for the euthanasia coaster, which you get on this roller coaster and by the end of it, you're dead. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, someone made a blueprint for it. Wow, no, no, I've never heard about that. Yeah, wow. we should probably get to another topic here. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> Hi, this is John from Chicago, and I'd like to let you in on a secret musical code hidden all around you that signals death, destruction, and the end of the world. It's known as the Dies Irae, meaning day of anger or day of wrath. And while you probably know it best as the opening credits to The Shining, it actually originated as a Gregorian chant. It's a setting of a Latin poem which describes Judgment Day, where God separates mankind into the damned and the saved. The melody was picked up by composers and has been used throughout history to portray death, danger, and the supernatural in works like Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique, Saint-Saëns' Dans Macabre, Charles Gounod's opera Faust, and tons of others. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's used in The Shining, but it also shows up in things like Jason and the Argonauts, Star Wars, White Lotus, 
And it even gets quoted in the song Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. Uh, off screen, it's hidden in the music for uh, Sondheim's Sweeney Todd and has been referenced in songs by bands like Symphony X and Nightwish. I personally have even heard it crop up in the background music to a pumpkin patch a few Halloweens ago. So now that you're in the know, keep your ears open, and I think you'll be surprised at just how close at hand this musical incarnation of death seems to be. That is so rad. And that's John. I, Jess, well, you know John. I think we did a video yeah. call with John. He's really cool. Yeah, that's I've never heard of this before. I'm looking it up right now. This is incredible. It's so cool. Uh, there's also an anime known by the yeah, name. Yeah, that was the first thing that popped up. I was like, <laughs> oh, not that. Um, wow. And I love that it wasn't frozen. What? So okay. cool. Yeah. And I love that it now has this connotation that maybe not everyone knows, but the people who are using it know. So it almost feels like it's an Easter egg when an it Easter does e- crop up and things. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know why, but it sounds like a secret weapon or something of just like, and it means death, destruction, and... Yeah, what? I'm seeing some lyrics here. I, I don't know if I can read them all, but the day of wrath, that awful day, shall reduce the world to ashes, as David and the Sibyl prophesied. How great will be the terror when the judge shall come to examine all things rigorously. Yeah, this uh, is not this is not fucking around. To death uh, and nature will to use the word from Caitlin. So uh, so liberally here. Yeah, this one, death and nature will marvel when the creature will rise again to respond to the judge. Wow, this is dark. Maybe we should be taking this more to heart. Yeah, this could be, this could be a prophecy. Uh oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. Ooh, that's a cool one. Damn, that was great. I'm gonna. This is one of those things where I'm gonna take a gummy and go down a rabbit hole. Look at this tonight. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's fun. I, I think maybe we only have time for one more fact. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask you because I can't see how long we're recording. Um, should we maybe? Daniel from Romania's fact. All right, go for it. My name is Daniel. I'm from Romania, and my morbid fact is that sharks, uh, baby sharks, eat each other in the mother's womb. So sharks can only give offspring to one at a time. That's fascinating. So Daniel's fact that sharks eat each other in the womb, baby sharks, uh, and so. Generally, I guess a mother shark will only produce one baby shark. It's like, no, bitch, we ain't having twins or triplets and this bitch. We just, it's one one, and that's it. It's gonna be me. I did kind of Google this. And yeah, it looks like it's referred to as within womb cannibalism. I mean, I've heard things like, you know, twins and even in humans sometimes. Absorbing your twin. <laughs> yes. But like, I love that just with like sharks. It's like, no, it will always be just one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I guess it's, it's intrauterine cannibalism is maybe what Daniel was talking about, which is where like the strongest of the embryos eats the others. OK. OK. Wow. It's just like a, a battle in the womb before you even get out. But I could have also sworn that I saw something that maybe. um female sharks might have multiple uteri. Oh. So like maybe they can carry multiple, but they can only have one in that specific uterus. Uterus, I see. Okay. Dang, that's fascinating. Yeah, this one this one point here, um, female sand tiger sharks have two uteri. Okay, wow. That's so interesting. I wonder if that's just a, a case of evolution in general to where because... If a shark started off in the beginning days of 
having one and then continuously the one keeps eating the other one, it over time got another uterus, so it could produce more? Yeah. I don't know. L- listen to this quote from Forbes. Um, this macabre event was accidentally discovered in 1948 when a scientist poking around one of the uteri of a sand tiger shark was suddenly bit by one pup on the hand. Because the shark inside? I guess. The baby, guess the baby shark? bit by the shark? Jesus. In the, wow. in the womb? <laughs> I mean, I gotta believe Forbes, I guess. I have and to, too. I think what's interesting about this, too, is because there's all kinds of stuff, like morbid stuff that happens in the dog-eat-dog world of the animal kingdom, the strong survive. Yeah. Like, you expect that, oh, maybe this creature will give birth to its young and then they will eat it. Or... Yeah. They will eat each other once they're born. But the idea of them eating each other before they're even born is pretty uh, intense. Gnarly. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Um, Oh, this is fascinating, too. In 1993, footage shot for a Discovery Channel program showed embryos inside a sand tiger shark moving from one uterus to another. It's like they didn't get their fill. What? (laughs) This is, we should do a whole episode on a shark's uteri. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> just, I mean, <laughs> we'll have a t-shirt <laughs> after. Oh, boy. That is fascinating. I have learned so much in a, such a short amount of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, This was great. And we have so many more that we didn't even get to, but we will get to them again. We oh, will yeah. absolutely do this again because this was great. Continue to send us some of your like voice memos uh, of your weird and crazy facts at speakpipe.com slash 30 morbid minutes. And I guess you could start sending some about your own personal ghost stories or occurrences or things like that too, because we'll probably do an episode like that as well. So if something creepy happened to you personally, Mm -hmm. whether you can explain it or not, Mm -hmm. let us know. Yeah. And those are always, I don't know, I love hearing people's weird stories, whether they believe them, whether you believe them. It just goes to show that there's just a lot of weird stuff that we can't explain just kind of going mm-hmm. on around us at different times. And when so many people have a weird story, everybody has a weird story, you know? And when you have yeah. so many, it's like, what's going on out there? What's up? Yeah. We can't explain everything, even no. if we try. Even though the scientists say they can. I don't know about that. Yeah. So leave us those voicemails with your name and where you're from. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much to everyone who is going to 30mm.show slash first and supporting us directly. Uh, Or if you leave us reviews or share the show with friends, it helps us so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, all the real ones. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, We also have some awesome merch. We have some new merch coming out here soon. I don't know when the date is. I'll find that out soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's at store.roosterteeth.com. And follow us on the tickers, as Jess says, and Instagram <laughs> at 30 Morbid Minutes. Tickers is what the old people call TikTok. They're tickers. Are you on that tickers yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. I got to go. I got a lot of work to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So That's fine. See That's... Here. Okay. Recipe for turtles. No, no, no. Bye bye, Elise. Bye bye. Delicious. No. Turtles. Cut her off. Someone Tortoise. cut her off. <laughs> bye bye, Elise. Bye bye. Bye bye.